week uh, we had the opportunity with the uh, Den- denny and greg they uh they they razzled us they they dazzled us with a little bit of uh, uh monkey magic you see but in my movie the fly there 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 is a monkey okay it's it's a it's it's a baboon but we couldn't qualify it for last week's episode due to the uh, uh baboon turning uh inside out is is what happened so take it away boys Wow, thanks, friend of the show, Jeff Goldblum. I'm so glad you could stop by the studio. Um, I would like to hand you a complimentary anonymous seltzer that ain't White Claw, but uh, let's just call it a Tango Charlie Hotel Sierra until they pay us. This one's for you, Mr. Goldblum. Enjoy. Uh, He said cheers before he left the room. Mm. Well, if he has anything else to say, he can chime in. He's quite welcome to. Yeah. In the spirit of things, I also got my own um, Torfo, Cleeflo, Smart, Pleltzer. Um, again, we'll, we'll say the real name when they pay us. <laughs> welcome to Movies for Win, where we don't have any sponsors. We barely have any listeners, except we are friends with Jeff Goldblum, and he totally came to Greg's house. But we have each other. We have each other. And we have each movies. Other. You know what I also have? What? A case of the Goldblums. Oh, it's a bad one this time. It's a real bad one this time. And if you also, in the audience, have a case of the Goldblums, we got great news for you. The doctors are in. I like Ooh. it. Take three of these and call me in the morning. hey That's what she said. All right. So, <laughs> Greg, do you have any uh, housekeeping notes for this week's episode? I don't have any. Sure don't. Wow. Uh, we Please bear with us as we try out new audio recording techniques. Um, microphones have been ordered. Stuff is on the way software is getting figured out we're getting there though i i like i like how it's going so far i would actually like to publicly pledge to in my own time frame eventually watch a youtube tutorial on one of the several softwares we're trying to use that's right i should hope so (laughs) if you need me to find them for you just let me know greg how would you define having a case of the gold blooms what are the symptoms how would i diagnose this disease well yeah, what are... it's it's a it's not an itch it's not something bothering you inside it's it's really just more of a hankering you know you're looking for a something to scratch that itch that only a highly approachable charismatic but still subdued and entertaining man who's built like me is willing to give you in any movie. And what's the prognosis if you have a case of the gold blooms? Tell me what prognosis means and I'll tell you. I don't uh, go to the doctors and I'm also <laughs> not a doctor. 
Prognosis is uh, the expected progression of the illness. What's a timetable for recovery? What are your chances? What are your chances? Is the prognosis poor? You gonna die from the gold blooms? Are you? Gonna... You won't. You won't die, but it does lead to severe depression and eventually full gold bloomitis. Um, this is our first uh, episode where we had a fan vote for what our third movie is going to be. Woo! I, I really pushed for Earth Girls Are Easy, and I think more people need to know about it. It is a movie where Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans play aliens who want to bang Gina Davis, who is also in The Fly. I was about to it's say. It's kind of a different take. And there are song and dance musical numbers, and I just think more people should be talking about it. And other than my own vote, there were two votes, <laughs> which was impressive. Only because you pandered, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely tried to rig the rig the poll to little success. Um, but Thor Ragnarok did not win, which I thought would win. But I'm glad Jurassic Park won, because I, I really don't think we could call it a Jeff Goldblum episode and not do Jurassic Park. Like, it just needed to happen. Yeah, I was kind of hoping <clears throat> to talk about three uh, Goldblum movies that maybe people haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time. But at the same time, Jurassic Park is such a quintessential Goldblum movie, and you know, movie in general, that it, it's just impossible to ignore. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get a case of the Goldblums again another time and we'll expose people to uh earth girls are easy if they can handle it if they can handle it um i do think these are kind of the three quintessential gold bloom movies what are the three movies denny the three movies we're doing today are the fly independence day and jurassic park that's right now denny <laughs> we'll start with uh, your pick which was the fly uh summarize the movie real quick and we'll get into it um the fly is pretty much david cronenberg's magnum opus it actually kind of blows uh what i wanted to do later is movies for when you want to go full cronenberg but we're already doing it today it doesn't get any fuller than this um in this movie jeff goldblum plays a scientist and inventor who seduces reporter gina davis into coming to his apartment to see his teleporter machine and have sex with him he is having some trouble with the teleportation because he cannot transport live matter. He keeps uh, inverting baboons. We don't know how many of this, how many baboons he went through or where his baboon stock comes from. Um, but he has to learn the poetry of the flesh. And Gina Davis helps him do that um, by playing the skin flute. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> um, it might stay in, buddy. Things start going really bad, really fast, when he gets a case of the jellies. He's a little jelly. He's kind of possessive. A little bit of toxic masculinity. Your brand new reporter girlfriend can't even uh, can't even go see her abusive ex-boyfriend without you getting all insecure about it. So he gets drunk, vents to a baboon, and decides, fuck it. I'm teleporting myself. Um, and unfortunately, he teleported himself and a fly, and they fused and a lot of gross stuff happened don't watch this while you're eating is that a good enough of a synopsis or do we want to spoil the ending or no, should I, we i think that's good enough okay the, cool. yeah the don't watch it while eating thing is Ooh. very real and very good advice Ooh. please Ooh. heed that 
I have already seen this movie, and I love practical effects. I can handle pretty much anything as long as it's not real. I was gagging at some of this stuff. Like, I was looking away from the screen, and I've already seen it. It is a gross, gross movie, and I love it. That's one of those things that kind of surprised me. Because uh, what year did this come out, Denny? Like, 85? Ooh, I want to say 86. Let me look. Uh, 86. Yeah, you're right. I was I was prepared for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, surprise giving it's 1986, but that's, you know... I wouldn't call this a horror movie uh, by any means, but... <clears throat> you know, around this time, horror movies in that era were using a lot of practical effects. Mm-hmm. So... That's that's all they had, so they went for it full bore here, and it was awesome. There's certainly some body horror, um, a lot of that. I kind of conceptualize it as a monster movie, not necessarily a horror movie, but a monster movie. Would you would you affirm critique? Obviously, sci-fi is heavily <sighs> in the mix. That's that's a given. Yeah, it's like a sci-fi thriller kind of sort of monster movie where it's kind of hard to call it a monster movie when the monster doesn't really like fully materialize oh it never really fully materializes until like the last five minutes Mm -hmm. well that's something that i really liked about it and something i thought was very unique is i was like how many movies do we have where the protagonist just fully decompensates and there's no redemption and just erodes away into nothingness and never gets anything that he wants He never even flies, man. It's rough. He certainly walks on the ceiling. He doesn't fly like things. But now he doesn't fully fly. (laughs) (laughs) Greg, this was your first watch? This was my first watch, yeah. Um, I'm glad I didn't watch it as a kid. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think any children should be allowed to see this movie. That's right. You're going to expose them to Jeff Goldblum nipple play. Oh, gosh. Tickle my back hairs. Um... (laughs) He's back. <laughs> Jeff, thank you. I feel like, I don't know, I'll just dive into the notes right away. Stuff I wrote down while I was think what I was thinking while I was watching the movie. Um, he finally gets Gina Davis to the apartment and he like jumps over to the piano, plays a little tune. I don't think he ever we ever see that piano again. I really feel like that was just Jeff being like let me show you how whimsical I am. It's just like a little piece of himself <laughs> that I really love seeing in the movie. Yeah, that definitely had an improvisational tone at that moment. I actually forgot about it till you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. It stood out. What I love so much about this movie is I think it is the most airtight screenplay I've ever seen. Just, we have one establishing shot and we are off to the races. And as soon as everything is resolved... No time to breathe, no time to process it, roll credits. Here's the credits, yeah. (laughs) No wasted motion whatsoever, and I love that about this movie. Just right to the point, everything matters, get the hell out of Dodge when you're done. There's just something so appealing to me that they told such an amazing story in like 93 minutes or whatever it was, just Mm -hmm. kept kept it tight, kept it really tight, and just, it's almost like a a short film from a horror anthology that just needed 90 minutes, you know, like, and it even, what I love about so many horror anthologies is 
you don't have to like your protagonist or any of your characters. They don't have to have any redeeming qualities because we're not going to spend a ton of time with them. So we really don't need a lot of buy-in. And you can just show something horrible happening and end it. And while there was a lot of buy-in and a lot of likability, this played like one of those anthology flicks that I like so much. Just in its tone and in its pacing and in its structure. And in its willingness to just say, well, that sucks. Bye. See you later, audience. <laughs> I love it, man. Man, you're my brundlefly. Sugar, baby. Come, <laughs> my lady. Come, come, my lady. You're my brundlefly. Sugar, baby. Dude, one of my favorite things was a brundlefly. I couldn't just believe he started calling himself that. Calling himself that and also, like, programming that into the computer. <laughs> it was like like hey siri call me brundlefly now like oh okay <laughs> i wonder if i can get siri to call me brundlefly uh, I maybe i can't i can't decide if i love or hate his computer interactions because there were two there were only two negatives i had for this movie one was just the sciency computers can do anything it's the 80s yeah and another was they never explained how he learned the poetry of the flesh. They never, like, showed us anything about, like, why he was now able to teleport live matter. He just did it. He was like, I've got it! And it was, like, literally the Wet Hot American Summer thing where you don't see anything happening. And uh, Joe Latruglia <laughs> was just like, you're doing it! You're doing it! Oh, you did it! You saved him! You son of a oh, gun! Oh, Oh, he's, he's doing it. Yeah. He's really doing it. Like, we see the epiphany happen, and then the results of it. I can't decide <laughs> We're not if, really sure what he learned. I can't decide if I love it or hate it. It's either something that basically is the one asterisk on what I'd otherwise consider a perfect movie, or is just negligible. Damn. Uh, I don't know. I don't I would, know. I would I'm personally file it under negligible. Because, you know, 80s things, like, if they go into, especially, like, the computer thing, not a lot of people in the audience in 86 are really, like, familiar with how computers work. So it's just like, oh, they could just do stuff. And they don't yeah. really need to hear much more than that. Yeah, I guess there are two giant teleporter pods that fuse matter. So maybe the yeah. computer being a little smarter than a computer is isn't really a gripe. Now that yeah. I think about it in perspective. He's just like, I built this and it's smart. Okay, good enough for me, I guess. <laughs> we uh, we should have done this for our episode, movies for when you want to see a monkey dot 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 turned inside out. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was so fucking sick. That would be the rehash. Oh, that baboon was... is just screaming. That's the first time you're really like, oh, oh, okay. That's what it's, this movie's gonna be like. It's pretty grounded. Did you have any bad dreams about this movie? No. I did. Oh, I dreamt, did you know? I dreamt I was popping my big toe, and it just snapped right off, and I didn't really react to it. And I was like, oh, hmm. Kind of like he does as he's falling apart. Like, uh, when his when his ear falls off, you're just like, oh. Oh, God, that's gross. That's oh, so dude. gross. The, uh, <laughs> the one thing I'll say is when they... Um, 
his teeth were like falling out all over the computer keyboard mm-hmm. um the my girlfriend opened the lid on the instant pot for dinner so it was like <laughs> that scene was like accompanied with like a brand new smell and i was like i don't want this <laughs> Can I go back to the baboon? I'm still fixated on it. Yeah, please. So, uh, we already acknowledged, well, Jeff himself acknowledged that he corrected Gina Davis when she called the baboon a monkey. So, first of all, he's better than us. He knows the difference. Secondly, there's gotta be a cheaper animal to experiment on than a baboon. Like, Maybe ever a heard of a lab rat? Oh, fly, that's dangerous. You gotta be careful with that. They're sneaky. I feel like he wants something closer to, like, human anatomy, so he was going for a monkey, I guess. Uh, wouldn't he have at least tried some sort of rodent or small animal first? Because he's, he's very convinced that he's like, that's the one thing I can't do. I can't do living matter. So, yeah. what, did he just start at baboons? And who is his baboon supplier? Who's this plug? Maybe not he... Cheap. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I was thinking, too. Because you remember, like, on the second baboon, he's like, I'm sorry about what happened to your brother. Or something like that. So <laughs> so maybe know, he, had, he had at least two. Yeah, Or I think he had one and then another one. So he's just cycling through them. Did Gina Davis go away because of Cutthroat Island? Is that why she's not in stuff very often anymore? maybe is that the last thing she was in i don't think it's the last thing she was in but it was a massively failed expensive blockbuster pirate movie that killed the pirate genre until pirates of the caribbean revived it and then killed it again but she was a lead in it and she like hated it and wanted to quit and couldn't get out of her contract and she just mailed it in and i love watching it because she she knew it was gonna suck and i'm just wondering did she get uh algorithmed out of hollywood blockbusters because if that's so that really sucks because i really like gina davis yeah <clears throat> i hope that's not the case we've, we've talked a lot of we've talked about a lot of uh actresses that just kind of disappear after after some of these movies mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little worrisome suspicious indeed greg how good is fog i came away from this and jurassic park just being like fog is so good we need more fog in movies it makes everything look so cool the movie the fog or the concept Ah, of fog the movie the fog is okay i don't hate it (laughs) um it's kind of like a mix of this and cutthroat island pirates and spookies i mean fog is it just has that 80s and 90s feel, right? It's just like so, just soft lighting, not really clear on what's up ahead. A lot of a lot of blue. Sure. <laughs> sure. So, I want to ask you something. What is up with this? Jeff Goldblum is 6 foot 4 and jacked. Right. And for some reason in all three of these movies, he is cast as this bookish computer nerd who is there to just spout techno babble the whole time. And this is the most strange version of it because he is huge, he's handsome, tall, dark, and handsome, and mm-hmm. jacked. Mm-hmm. What was up with him being typecast in this way? I don't know. Uh, something I actually wrote here was like, Goldblum really should be in more of 
should be in more eccentric scientist roles. Mm -hmm. It's just because the way he behaves just tracks with it so well, and you can just, like, tell him to duck down a little bit. You can just tell him to yeah. not work out <laughs> so much before the movie uh, shoots. So, I don't know, it's because he's really good at it. Yeah, no, he plays the roles perfectly, and he's really good at them. And they even kind of like... But they're always just playing up what a nerd he is. And I'm like, man, this guy looks like he was, like, the varsity quarterback. Like, he does yeah. not look like a nerd at all. He plays them really well. I love his performance in all these movies. And how often and deliberately he says, uh, really makes me feel better about how much I do it accidentally on these episodes. Mm -hmm. I gotta give him that. Greg, give me a note. Ooh, um... I, it's one of my only all caps notes it's i'm not okay with fingernail stuff that is where i oh, draw the line <laughs> same here same here so i'm super squeamish if it's a real body in general mm -hmm. um i can't watch like a surgery video nothing like that movies practical effects cgi fair game i just i have this separation of i know nothing's really happening fingernails are not okay that is where i looked away from the screen yeah. Oh, heebie-jeebies. I've got the heebie-jeebies about that. Ooh, I'm I just let it up. Past. Oh, my toes and my fingers are curling right now. I'm, oh, I'm just, I can't get the image out of my head of him peeling that fingernail off. It's <laughs> terrible, man. Oh. <sighs> man, I think it was something Vanessa mentioned before we watched The Fly, was how she really didn't like the arm wrestling part <laughs> oh i love that part i really liked it i thought that was one of the one of the better effects that was mm -hmm. so cool mm -hmm. i think one thing i do really like about the movie is like in the arm wrestling scene is like a lot of these the way i thought this movie was going to go was he was going to start fusing with the fly and he would just start degrading bit by bit and it mm -hmm. would just always get always get worse but he's like high energy, high stamina, just like super strong. Like there's, he has some time where he's just like the guy and he's really feeling himself. And like, it's really, it's really kind of cool to see like a slight uptick in like what he was going for. And he attributes that of course all to the teleportation. He's just like, wait till I get you in there. You're going to love it. You're going to be able to keep up with me. <sighs> yeah, so cool. And it then, reminded me of Sam Raimi's uh, first Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire one. Like yeah. when he first discovers his Spidey powers, they mm -hmm. basically did the same exact montage of events with Jeff Goldblum after the teleporter. Just down to the uh, down to the little hairs coming out of the skin. Yep, but, he's and wall man. climbing. Yeah, he's Flyer Man. Is that what you said? Yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you had something else. Mm -mm. I uh on that note something that really struck me about this is this movie kind of played as a pre-medical society's interpretation of bipolar disorder that at first he is just absolutely manic and if you've seen someone in a manic episode it is really hard to convince them that there's something rotten in Denmark because mania feels really good and your reward chemicals in your brain are just 
firing like crazy they're telling you every idea you have is good and it's going to make you rich and powerful um and then you would see Goldblum in this cycle through a depressive swing then another manic swing and it really obviously like we knew what bipolar disorder was at this point when this was made but it's also something that I look at The Shining I've always thought that seemed like a myth about schizophrenia from people who don't know what schizophrenia is and like blame demons or ghosts sure and this really checks out it was interesting to me to see it through that lens and to see his enthusiasm for his own self-destruction and his inability to listen to anyone no one who uh, anyone who doesn't affirm him is just out they're done they don't get it they're not bought in they're not purified like me it was some sort of manic spirituality type of experience and i thought it was really interesting yeah and it's really cool because that that kind of tracks with every time his body is visibly falling apart he sees it as a positive he's like oh this is just part of the process mm -hmm. my ears on the ground nah that's cool that's <laughs> i obviously didn't need it that's why it fell off yeah he really trusted in evolution he mm -hmm. just came to terms with the situation and was like this must be better based on nothing but uh <laughs> side note i loved like really loved and really appreciated the intense lack of subtlety of the fly going into the teleporter and a lot of people would take it for granted but one of my pet peeves in horror movies is when it's a nightmare on elm street part four and freddy krueger is on the cover and the cast spends 45 minutes wondering could freddy really be back when as the audience were like <laughs> We know Freddy is back in this movie. This Let is not a mystery. Him. Get down to it. Bring him out. I appreciated that they did that in this movie, knowing it is called The Fly. We know that he turns into a fly. And Here's so they just fly. <laughs> then they just ham it up. Don't try to like keep any sort of mystery about it. People would take it for granted, but I appreciated it. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Do you ever uh, drink alone, vent to a baboon, and then fuck around with your teleporter? If I had a teleporter and a baboon, I would. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Alas, I don't have a baboon guy. <laughs> how, uh, how funny is it that uh, Gina Davis writes for Particle Magazine? <laughs> <laughs> like the only funnier magazine would have been kid science weekly or zoo books oh if she wrote for zoo books, <laughs> zoo books. oh this baboon <laughs> did you know that baboon oh come on <laughs> and you know you know it's interesting that you write for uh zoo books <laughs> Then she could, like, slowly figure out that he's becoming a fly based on what she <laughs> wrote in her articles or her issue about flies. <laughs> what a the boring zoo book. I know. It could have been a good kids movie. Sleeper zoo book of the year was if your parents gave you a fly zoo book, but then you found a crazy story about a man who fused with a fly in it. Sleeper of the year. 
Do you uh do you think did you notice he's constantly eating chocolate bars? Mm-hmm. Do you think that was meant to be like a visual metaphor for flies eating shit? Ooh, no, I didn't think of that. <laughs> That's another thing that I can't decide if it's intentional. Is it amazing or is it stupid? <laughs> like, is it just incredibly dumb? That they they three or four times, I I think, they had him clearly just pull out this big log of a turd novelty sized chocolate bar and just mm. like hold it right at the camera and take a chomp out of it from the side of his mouth really seemed to be intentional to me i feel like if you had gina davis say like oh can i use your restroom real quick and he just went please please do please <laughs> it would it wouldn't have been as subtle <laughs> I think this is Goldblum's finest hour. I think it's his greatest performance. Really? I really do, man. I think that the coffee scene is an all-timer. Just just nailing it on all this stuff. I think he made Whitey Tidies look sexier than anyone has ever made Whitey Tidies look. It's basically a cast of three people, and he is just team on his back and hairs on his back. Nice. And... I really do think this is his greatest performance. You don't seem to agree with me. No, I'm just I'm just a little surprised. Um, I have no problem with it. It's one of the few times we see him in like a leading role, mm-hmm. so it's really nice to see him there. Um, he's always part of an ensemble, and that's another thing I made note of. Is there's basically just three characters, and he's leading the pack, mm-hmm. and it's great. Like everyone does great, and yeah, him being the leading man in this thing where he has a lot of i was gonna say like monologues to basically a monkey or a baboon Mm. see we're learning we're learning we're learning we're growing as people we're referring to animals correctly um yeah like i don't know like the next two movies we're going to talk about i i think jurassic park is my favorite performance of his but i think this might be the best one Mm -hmm. Because he was really given the opportunity to, like, spread his wings and fly. (laughs) Boy, was he. Man, I feel like I'm making a lot of jokes about this movie. And it legitimately is one of my favorite movies. I was watching it. I got this experience in Jurassic Park, too. Um, Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost World, or Jurassic Park also? Jurassic Park also, but also Jurassic World Universe 2, 3. Um, The Lego, right. Yeah, the Lego Jurassic World Universe. No, in Jurassic Park also, there were so many moments where my eyes were wide, I was grinning from ear to ear, and my jaw just hung open in wonder. Just pure childlike wonder at a dead phrase, a phrase we don't use anymore movie magic we need to use it more often we do but they don't give us a reason to use it enough because you don't sit around wondering how they did that you know that it was a bunch of people at computers editing tirelessly for probably way too little pay you don't get you know the result is as hollow as those people's experience (laughs) yep but I watch E.T. 
and it basically tricks my brain so that it's easier for me to believe that was a real little alien running around than a puppet yeah they do a really good job and i think that this and we'll get in jurassic park later obviously it does a great job of that the fly successfully tricked my brain even with some body horror and face melting things that man i've seen them done a million times in b movies and they always look totally shitty and i love it and it's fun I thought they looked pretty good in this, even when his eyes are like bugging out of his head and the fly puppets coming through a fake gold bloom. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, that's the climax of the movie for a reason, and I think they really delivered on exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's it's awesome. His face sticks with me. It's so interesting to me of the take on the monster in the movie, simply because it's like for like most of the third act he looks i would say probably deliberately kind of like quasimodo yeah in his face in his back and what's interesting about this is like you look at movies like quasimodo you look at movies like frankenstein and there's always this thread of the monsters misunderstood he looks different than us it's a certain like you don't get that in dracula per se unless you're jason siegel but you don't <laughs> get it in dracula the mummy the creature um but the monster is well unless you're Guillermo del, Toro, Guillermo del Toro he got that from the creature but <laughs> all this goes to say they kind of did this arc that lends itself to the monster is not different from us he's just misunderstood and he looks different so you don't empathize with him and then they were like nope just a monster he is an evil vicious monster and you gotta shoot him in the head and that's the only way to solve the problem and you shouldn't feel bad about it you yeah. should shoot him in the head till he dies. And that was so cynical and interesting and ballsy to me. I loved it. Yeah, that's one of the things that stuck out to me the most was actually the part where um, he holds the shotgun to his own head and is basically like, please just do it. Like, mm -hmm. through... Uh, that's what stuck with me the most in that climax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what stuck with me the most? instead of a shotgun in that climax i wish jita davis just had a giant fly swatter <laughs> um like in the uh one of the last episodes of community where they have the giant hand that's supposed to go to the guy with the giant watch like that proportion of fly swatter would have been perfect <laughs> It's so good if they did that. <laughs> what a tragedy. This is a true tragedy of a story. Gina mm -hmm. Davis is probably going to go back to her abuser after this. And she... like I thought they did a great job of explaining and portraying how abusers will be there for you in vulnerable moments. Like, this guy is pressing her boundaries, manipulating her, treating her poorly the whole movie... And then when she's actually vulnerable, he shows up like a caring companion. Mm -hmm. And now she's back in the cycle of abuse. And that's how you get someone to voluntarily be in a bad situation, is you rescue them from a worse situation. And her worst situation was a fly monster that impregnated her. You I can't what? imagine a worse situation. <laughs> Do you know what I thought in the larva birthing scene? Oh, what? Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> <laughs>
Greg, do you have any more notes on this? I feel like I've been talking your ear off. I've been chatting it up, dominating the air. No, man. I, I've said I've said my two, three, four, five cents. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's it's a good one. Um, I had a I had a beer name. If we ever want to start a start a beer, we could call it the Brundle Tella Porter. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Tella Porter. I like it. Now you're thinking with porters. Um, David Cronenberg plays the gynecologist in this movie. And Very cool. When he was credited as gynecologist in the credits, I thought that he was getting a credit for being the on-site gynecologist to the production. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had no idea he was trained in that. Catering and gynecology brought to you by... <laughs> David Cronenberg. Oh, man. That guy really does understand the poetry of the flesh. Yeah, I heard uh, Steven Spielberg did the hysterectomies for Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a renaissance man that Steven Spielberg is. <laughs> Truly a man of science. Um, hey, Denny. Yeah, Greg. What's your favorite line from the movie The Fly? My favorite line from the movie The Fly, it was hard to choose because I love a lot of them, but I'm going to go with this. You're too chicken shit to be a member of the Dynamic Duo Club. <laughs> that's what I love, too. Real quick, that's what I love, too, is just stuff like that said with complete earnest. Yes. <laughs> He's so good at being a self-convinced self-assured completely confident crazy person who doesn't know he's crazy dude it's it's such an 80s thing mm-hmm. what's your favorite line um it's something said multiple times and we brought it up already but anytime anybody says brundle fly get a little <laughs> smile on my face because <laughs> that's fantastic what's your critic or score Ah, uh, my Critiker score was a 33 out of 40, which is an 8.25 out of 10. Very nice. I liked it. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it as uh, I found it to be. Mm-hmm. Mine is a 50 out of 50. out of out of 50. That's right. Yeah, I am Damn. a little on the fence about it. There's two reasons. One is, I don't know what my standard is for 50. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just something you know when you know it. I was um, about to say, yeah. Leave I, it undefined and let something show you what that is. Yeah. So, like, it's not that it's flawless. Because this has, I, I mentioned the two flaws I see in this movie. But I went back and Casablanca is another 50 for me. And I've seen it five or six times. I think it's like as perfect as a movie can be. It's a it's a thing. Um, and I went back one time to watch it to see if it was a perfect movie. And I was like, I am going to just pick it apart and I'm going to find a continuity error somewhere. And you know what? There is one. At one point, one of Humphrey Bogart's cigarettes grows a little bit instead of shrinks in between <gasps> shots. And you know what? Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? fuck about that that's stupid to care about i could point you to like 10 or 20 youtube channels that care about exactly that i know and And those people are not friends of the show because that is 
I'm saying I watched it, I don't know, probably ten times, never noticing a flaw, then went back intentionally looking for flaws I didn't notice in ten views, and finally found a minor negligible one that doesn't affect the story in any way. So who gives a fuck? And so it's not that I can't excuse a flaw. My only other reason was uh, I don't know what genre to judge it in. Because if, yeah. it's, if it's a sci-fi thriller, I also have The Thing at 50. And The Thing is better than The oh, Fly. That's a great pick, man. It's a great pick. And The Thing is better than The Fly. But if this is a monster movie, then I'll give it a 50. You know? So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. If I'm comparing it to The Thing, I think The Thing is a little bit better. But if it's a monster movie, I think it's the best it could possibly be. And I, I, I think my gut is telling me monster movie at the end of the day. Because there's just so much body horror. There's such a just monstrous decompensation of the protagonist. It reminds me of Frankenstein. Frankenstein has sci-fi elements. It reminds me mm -hmm. of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Not so sci-fi, but there's some magic in the mix. At least in the Disney version. And... And music. And music. That's why I'm going to keep it at 50. I think I'm going to keep good. it there. I thought about bumping it to a 48, but my heart is telling me this is a 50 out of 50. Rock on, Jeff Goldblum. Rock on, David Cronenberg. Rock on, Gina Davis. Rock on, that other guy. <laughs> I don't know the name of. <laughs> uh, John Getz, I think. Rock on, John Getz. John gets a thumbs up for me. I'll tell you that much right now. Swish, baby. Pew! My friend Scott has bought them for me and several other people. So he'd always be able to drink out of one when he's at someone's house. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that's keep, such a great... I keep them ready for him in the freezer just in case he's ever here. <laughs> that's such a great move. Yep. <laughs> you know what else is a great move? What? Seamless edit. I fucking knew you were going to do that. You... No, you didn't. Hold what? on to your butts. Because <laughs> we're about to talk about Independence Day. That's Jurassic Park. That's the joke. So, Independence Day is a 1996 classic sci-fi thriller with mysterious, powerful aliens with technology far beyond our understanding have come to Earth to wipe out all of humanity as we know it. On the 4th of July, of course. Of course, because so, everything revolves around America, duh. Even these ships, man. It's, yeah. I, it's it's certainly a movie. Denny, what's what's your history with this movie? Did you watch this as a kid? Did you watch it? How? Ooh, was this your first time watching it? This was my very first time seeing it, ever. I did no. have a toy of one of the aliens as a kid. I remember that, but I'd never seen the movie. This was wow. my first ever time watching Independence Day. Vanessa had seen it, and she'd been... I wasn't, like, not watching it in protest. It was just never got around to it, you know? Yeah. And uh, she had been kind of pitching it for years. And it was one of those things where I was always on board, but it was never the right time. Just when it came up, it was never what I was in the mood for. And I saw it for the first time ever well, this it's, week. It's, it's hard to be in the mood for a two-and-a-half-hour 90s uh, sci-fi slog. So, man, I it, get it was long, but I also think they really did a good job of, man, I just didn't feel like it was long. If that I, was one of my points, yeah. 
if I wasn't working against time, like I, uh, I started it at noon and had to be somewhere at three. And if I wasn't working against time between like, I stopped and like turned over the laundry or something in the middle, I wouldn't have noticed the time at all. Yeah. But, uh, what's your history with this? Why'd you pick it? Uh, it's something I always wanted to watch as a kid, but my parents were pretty restrictive. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I never saw The Fly. Um, <laughs> that was probably good of your parents to not let you watch The Fly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but coming into adulthood, my brother and his wife, they really like this movie. Kind of as like a, ah, man, remember the 90s? Mm-hmm. You get a good chuckle out of it. And I didn't watch it for the first time until maybe like six or seven years ago, and I was... I was kind of low on it, and this is, I think, my third time watching it, and I think I had the best time watching it out of all the times I've seen it so far. Nice. Yeah, going in cold, I really enjoyed it. I really did. But give us give us a rundown. I did the fly. Give me a, give me a rundown of this. Well, I already summarized the plot, but yeah, something that you were saying. <laughs> that was it? Oh, oh I guess you, you're right. Can, <laughs> can I have like a... Can I have like a example rundown so I could kind of know what you're looking for? Nah, you already did it. <laughs> that was another office reference. Oh, uh, I missed it. I mean, I didn't catch that one. Jim, just get that rundown to me. Oh, um, sorry guys, we can't do this episode until Greg gets some hers chips so I can disarm myself to him and date him. Oh my gosh! Finally, please leave. <laughs> That's what Jim did to Karen in that episode. Spoilers. Vanessa Roy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like, when I was watching it, I was like, man, they're really hamming it up with these 90s tropes. And then I'm like, man, this movie set the tropes. What am I talking about? (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Everything I saw, I was like, man, I've seen this before. Wait a second. Everything I've seen this before was after 1996. The whole time, I was like, if they dialed it up just a little bit more, it would either be satire or a parody. Right. <laughs> if they went a little more in one direction, it would have been Dr. Strangelove. And if they went a little more in another direction, it would have been Spaceballs, Bill Pullman included. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were right on the verge of this cannot be taken seriously, and mm-hmm. they never quite went over that line. It was just so... They flirted with it, Boy, did but they. man, they Espe- never really crossed it. Especially in the beginning, man. Especially in just that first act with all of the, like, patriotic men in suits debating about nuking things. <laughs> yeah. So good. It was fun. I loved it. it. It's These weren't tropes. You're right. I mean, they were technically tropes if you were a cinephile, but, like... Dude, the general public was just like, fuck yeah, this movie fucks. <laughs> yeah, this movie fucks. So good. But, oh man. <sighs> I gotta say, like, it built some pretty good tension. Oh. It's just like, it's something that was, it's something I'll get into more with Jurassic Park. But just the first time we actually see an alien... Um, not not the ships, but like the alien themselves. Well, first of all, it takes us a long time to see the ship because we start approaching it and it's just a cloud of fire and the helicopter explodes. Okay, not yet. And then later on, the first time we see an actual alien is Will Smith punching it in the face 
at the hour and two minute mark and saying a, a one-liner and, and then, it absolutely rules and then immediately turning around not even being impressed with an alien or the fact that he punched it in the face not even looking at it turning around and smoking a cigar <laughs> awesome awesome uh, <laughs> so good he's just so cool man dude I love Will Smith. I mentioned it when we talked about it in the last episode. He's someone that people keep saying that, like, well, he's, like, revered as a good actor, and there's really no reason why. And I'm like, it's because he's fucking cool. Will Smith is cool. He's a cool yeah. guy. He does cool things. He's he's just awesome. Will Smith is, yeah, he's not really a dynamic performer. He's basically just Will Smith in The Fresh Prince, or he's Will Smith in an action movie. And those are just his two roles. And they just keep working for me. I keep not being tired of it. It's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh, good on him. He's he's made that same charm and coolness last for decades. Yeah. And that's pretty admirable. Yeah. Vanessa was saying that this is the movie that brought him out of Fresh Prince. This was the movie that introduced him into action hero status. Yeah. I don't. Th I can't think of one before it. No, I can't think of anything before it. I just remember like he did this, then Wild Wild West, and then oh, there was another one I can't think of right now. I wish this movie had a Will Smith song. That's what it's really missing, isn't it? <laughs> that would have been the cherry on top. That would if he did like a pro America patriotics rap song about punching aliens. About punching aliens. <laughs> oh. Dude, that oh, that would have generation bumped it up defining some critical points for me. I would have given it a higher score. Like it would have moved me up a little bit. At least a two point bump just from that. Absolutely, you missed know, opportunity. The reality is this: this movie's a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I've got place in my heart for a good blockbuster. Emphasis on the good, and I right. think that's a misconception about blockbusters among a lot of people. That if it's like a huge budget movie that's made for the most part just entertainment of the masses then that means it must be stupid and lowbrow and i just don't think so i just think you got to go into it with a different set of expectations you got to know what you're getting you got to understand what you're watching and like anyone who pretends they don't don't act surprised when you walked into avengers endgame and it was designed for like children teenagers and young adults like it just what do you don't act surprised about that <laughs> there are there are bad blockbusters and there are good blockbusters. I don't operate from a high art perspective where I'm like, a good blockbuster is good with me. I can go to the movies and have fun and not really think about anything all that deep and just be entertained somewhat mindlessly and not regret it. feel like it was an enriching, good experience because fun is good, people fun is good this is a claim so basic that it cannot be reduced <laughs> to any any more uh, uh what am i looking for denominators anymore it, it just can't be reduced a claim mm. so basic it can't be reduced fun is good and independence day is fun it's not insulting it is like stupid at some parts but really like right on the edge of so stupid i can't take it seriously now you just kind of like roll your eyes and go American propaganda we love it dude hot Denny with a hot hot takes 
fun is good. <laughs> That's what they come here for. The people want to hear my divisive statements about the goodness of fun. Piping hot takes. <laughs> man. Oh, man. That's, it was one of your main points last week. It's just like the worst thing a movie can do is bore you. And yep. for two hours and 20 minutes, I was not bored. I did not feel an ounce of boredom. Uh, it may have been a slog through tropes, but damn, dude. Yeah, man. And there was there was stuff that I would have cut. Like, I really don't think it needed to be that long. And I don't think we needed so much of the human drama. Like, I leaned over to Vanessa in the beginning of it. And I was like, is it going to keep this pace? Or is there going to be, like, a stupid romance arc? And she was like, mm, there's a kind of boring, stupid romance arc. And I was like, okay, I figured. But, like, I would have cut a lot of stuff. I think that, like you do human drama in a Godzilla movie because Godzilla can't talk for this we had enough like human interaction with the threat that I really didn't need all of these like grounding things to make it more relatable and make me more invested I was like I'm invested it's an alien invasion and these people are basically flying to their death but hoping it's not their death I don't mm -hmm. need I don't need the step kid I don't which that kid was adorable by the way great child actor I don't know his name oh yeah he was fantastic um I don't need Will Smith and Vivica Fox. Like, I don't need it. I would have cut it, and I would have shortened the movie a little bit, but I didn't hate it. You know, I didn't... Yeah. I, I actually liked their family stuff a hell of a lot more than I liked uh, all the, like, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum family drama. That was... That was pretty, uh, uh, just... Not engaging. Again, didn't hate it. I might have just done Will Smith's family. That's what I would have done. I would have cut yeah. all the, like presidential backstory and jeff goldblum has an ex-wife i i didn't care about any of that will smith's family was enough and yeah it was a little hokey at times but it was enough it, it was it was it randy quaid the guy that was the crop duster guy yeah it was cool to see him reprise his role as cousin eddie in this movie <laughs> <laughs> like along with what you were saying though man like if if that guy just didn't have any kids the movie would not have been any different. Dude, yeah. He didn't need to have a family in the movie. He could have just been the drunk local crop duster guy. Absolutely. We could have cut that, but everyone has to have a family. And because for some reason, basically like when Vanessa and I were talking about like, what is the role of Vivica A. Fox in this movie? We were like, oh, she's there to make it more sad if Will Smith dies, which is lame. You know, like she's really there to give us a bigger stake for our male protagonist and that's why the females in the story same thing with randy quaid's drunk uh crop duster dude mm -hmm. his arc and payoff was good enough in and of itself without the kids that was so cool when he flies into that shouting like i'm back yeah <laughs> so awesome i like kind of got chills it was so good man Let's jump into some more notes here. What you got, Greg? Everything you said, it was right. This movie has a no problem making us look into the eyes of people that are about to die. Man, yeah. <laughs> Civilians and military alike, they're just like, here's some people. Where they just were? Yeah, here's it exploding now. <laughs> One of my notes is, uh, if you took a drink every time someone stared into the horizon in fear you would be dead. They would be trying to kill you with that in this movie. There's so much <laughs> of people just looking at the horizon and being like, oh, fuck. 
fuck. <laughs> and, and and then a sea of fire Dude, hitting them in the face. I could watch them blow up those miniatures all day. Those yes. scenes were amazing. Absolutely was, breathtaking. That was one of my other notes, too, was just, like, the incredible use of models and miniatures. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about Jurassic Park, too, later on. Just, like, the incredible use of special effects. But, like, this is another example where the special effects in this movie versus Jurassic Park have two entirely different goals. Mm -hmm. So they're done two entirely different ways. Whereas if you made this movie now, or if you made a Jurassic Park movie now, which they are, you're just going to boot up the old CGI machine and just do it the same old way. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. Like, this is a good example of, like, special effects blending with creativity to make something, like, visually stunning. Mm -hmm. But also, you know it's fake. Like, you can tell it's, like... Sure little pieces of balsa wood flying around but you're just like man that real explosion looks so cool i don't care what's blowing up sure well and even to the point that they do a good enough job of tricking your mind because this is when it's a cgi experience completely especially if like a character is cgi it constantly breaks my immersion because on some level i'm always reminded that what i'm looking at is not real and so therefore right. it doesn't matter nothing's at stake Ultron's not real, Iron Man's not real none of this is happening whereas you see those buildings exploding and you're like dude that's physical fire hitting something that looks a hell of a lot like a physical building mm -hmm. I immerse better in that because it tricks my brain with movie magic may it movie rest in power magic. <laughs> No, I, that's great man I really think they use CGI effectively both in this and Jurassic Park because I'm not someone who's like change is bad and progress and technology is evil. My yeah, point exactly. forever is use CGI when you absolutely could not accomplish the, the effect with a practical effect. Use mm -hmm. CGI for that and do the rest practical effects and don't attempt something you can't pull off don't try to do cgi for something you don't have the technology to believably do i think that this and jurassic park aces just aces in that in that category they used practical effects they put in the work they made it convincing and then every so often there was something that you just couldn't do with a puppet and as we all know from our uh you know puberty classes there are things that you cannot and should not do with a puppet <laughs> but we digress oh man yeah it's something that i think it's a common thing to say and it's something we even said last episode is just like if if your movie came out after jurassic park and it looks and the cgi looks bad you don't really have an excuse. Mm -hmm. This movie came out three years after Jurassic Park, and I think it's on at least a similar level, if not the same level. Oh, yeah. No, it really is. I think Jurassic Park is a more substantial movie, and there's less, mm -hmm. like, irony in my liking of Jurassic Park, but, dude, this is up there. Like, you want to talk 90s blockbusters? You want to talk sci-fi? Dude, you've got to mention Independence Day. I'm glad I finally yeah. can, because I hadn't seen yeah. it. You know, but, like, this is 
let me tell you, I was missing out. I was missing out on a crucial major piece of pop cinema history. Dude, welcome to the club. Finally. Uh, Another note, the dog lives. Yeah! Boomer, good for him. Super glad he made it. I used to have a dog named Boomer. He's dead, though. He didn't live. Okay, Boomer. Way to die. (laughs) Typical Boomer shit, right? Sorry about your dog. (laughs) It's all right. He's been dead a while. Um, Man, how cool is it that we live in everyone else's favorite country? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it rules, man. (laughs) It's just so rad. Waking up every day and just thinking about other people in the world like man they wish they could be here yeah because we're the best (laughs) that's what this movie thinks this is absolutely propaganda uh make no mistake but i will always love a jingoistic movie where the president of the united states kicks ass like how cool is that (laughs) that the president like gets in a fighter pilot and is like let's go fuck up some aliens (laughs) (laughs) it's the coolest way to be a president in a movie the fuck up aliens dude speaking of cheesy tropes did you notice that like literally as soon as will smith and jeff goldblum are flying the alien spacecraft they just immediately do a barrel roll (laughs) first thing they do (laughs) hold on let me boot up google really quick when did star fox 64 come out oh a year later oh so they stole it from this yeah exactly sad to say star fox 64 is derivative (laughs) especially because no let's not forget there's that part in star fox 64 where there's a giant uh disc shaped alien ship with other smaller alien ships coming out the bottom and you shoot them in your starfighter yep yeah let's let's pretend like it's completely original welcome to video game chat I don't play them. Um, I actually did play Star Fox 64 like a mother back in the day. Oh, me too. It was the game for a while. Um, another note. Do these people live in Area 51? Do they commute from somewhere? It seems impossible to keep this classified, but I guess it was the 90s. They specifically said they don't let us out much. Much. True. They just like... I mean, this was... You get your day in the desert every every, every other Friday or something? <laughs> this was in the era of analog media. You know, like, that's something that struck me of, like, imagine an alien invasion happening without the internet. <laughs> like, this would be <laughs> so insane. Like, we would have just got our, our butts handed to us. We would have got our buttholes mushed in by aliens. Nobody would know what's going on because we all depend on the radio and the television. <laughs> did uh, did you love it when Jeff Goldblum rode a bike in an office as much as I did? Dude, what a wild man. Okay, hold on real quick. We have been talking about this movie for a good mm-hmm. amount of time, and we're just now getting to Goldblum. We are just getting to Goldblum. The star of the episode. He's really not David... the star of this movie, though. Well, yeah, I guess... So I guess it's fitting because... It matches the level of his role. He's 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 fairly important, so let's get to him. Let's get to him. David is an environmentalist, bike riding scientist who loves his dad. 
and um, figures out the alien plan by reading a printed off paper sheet of just binary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was that cool alien spacecraft that had like alphanumeric characters and English words in it on the controls. <laughs> <laughs> listen (laughs) but man him riding that bike in the office that just made up for all of the jingoism and american propaganda in this movie it just the bike in the office really leveled it out for me and i was just like this can't be that bad and then he immediately grills everybody about recycling yep he was the man they 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 put him in there to be the annoying guy who is right which is also who he is in jurassic park yeah (laughs) the annoying guy who's right but he's also who we as you know a podcast came for (laughs) yeah no dude listen man he's right i'm affirming him he's not annoying to me he's annoying to the other characters they were like i know we can't get through the shields but what if we nuked it a couple times just to be safe while changing nothing (laughs) they like literally are like firing nukes at something that they know they can't hit and have changed nothing um, and then you've got Goldblum going on a side quest. Um, I've got another t- coin to term, another term to coin. Um, Deus ex Hakina. <laughs> just, just That's where somebody types really fast and then, in the nick of time. <laughs> exactly. He was just like, I can hack into this alien thing, and I want to. I want to acknowledge that this movie both had Jeff Goldblum unironically hack something and say, "I'm in." And then later, unironically, had the I picked a hell of a day to quit drinking line in it. Oh my god. He actually said both of those things. Just. Yes. Not yes. joking. <laughs> not joking. <laughs> but they. It goes back to the tropes thing, man. Like. I'm in. Whew. I'm in. I've never seen a more naked I'm in. Don't read into that. That's what she said. I'm just going to get ahead of that. I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now um, I get you. I've never seen just a more <laughs> click, 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 clickety clack, clickety clack. <gasps> I'm in. <laughs> this movie had. That would have been in the uh, Lego video game interpretation of this movie. Oh, but man. it was actually in the movie, so. <laughs> yep. Oh. It was one recognizable line away from the Holy Trinity. And that was, uh, we could have used a Danny Glover, you are one ugly motherfucker, to the aliens, because they were ugly motherfuckers. When you said Danny Glover, I was really hoping you'd say something about being too old for this shit. Oh, man. I'm surprised no one said I'm too old for this shit in this movie. I'll bet it was in the script, and they just forgot to say it. <laughs> we can't go with this trope. It's been done a million times. <laughs> Jeff, we need to just say I'm in a little more clearly here. <laughs> oh. Um I want to give it a quick shout out. All time James I I didn't look up how to say his name. James Rebhorn. Rebhorn. R E B H O R N uh performance. He was the um I think defense secretary. He was always with the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fantastic in this movie. He's great. Uh, he's he's such a funny actor. If you've seen him like in Thirty Rock, he's in there for like an episode. He, he's he's great. This is one of his best performances. Rest in peace to a legend. 
Yeah. Man, this is a beautiful movie. Like, really visually beautiful. Those very blue scenes when they were inside the alien ship, I thought were just top-notch, top-notch atmospheric world-building awesomeness. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main things I remember from this movie was the feel because I didn't I remembered like so little about the plot, um, you know, between viewings. But I remembered how I felt when they went into the spaceship mm-hmm. and for that exact reason. That's oh, like great atmosphere. So good. They were really Star Warsing it up at a few points. Uh, first of all, that these spaceships were like 30 miles wide, which was great. And just again, yeah. the the dialed up overkill of, of this movie that they had these death stars coming in and they they like defeated it like a death star. <laughs> I, I started humming the bum, 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 it's so many parts of the like planes blowing up spaceships. Uh, and I didn't even hate it. And then like the, like the closing credits graphics and the score, I was like, well, that's just star Wars. Now you're not even trying to hide it. <laughs> Dude, continuing on the Star Wars theme, there's also the Star Wars equivalent, like, command room with, like, the <laughs> clear map in the background of all the characters, just, like, looking at all the missiles on the LCD screen, <laughs> seeing if they're hits or not. God, how did and they And talking know that? on the radio, like, get out of there, etc. <laughs> Little plane icons just going gray. <laughs> <laughs> There's some Star Wars in this. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of Star Wars in this. There's a whole lot. Uh, You know, man. At a certain point, you gotta stop letting just anyone walk into your top-secret government base. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess Vivica Fox and this four-year-old can waltz in here, too. That's cool. Uh, They brought the First Lady here, I guess. See, I could kind of... It started to get a little crowded. I could kind of excuse a lot of that because it would just seemed like the aliens are attacking and the world's going to die. Let's not pretend there's rules anymore. Just it's yeah. there's no rules now. We're it's all over. I could excuse some of that because of that. That tracks. Um You got anything else, Greg? Man. Not really. They set out. They they wanted to create a cool and entertaining alien invasion movie, and they I think it more than delivered. Absolutely. Um, I think there is like a segment of people like like we were talking about with Dustin checks in. There's the so get ga- so bad it's good crowd. Uh, yeah. A lot of people have that mindset about this movie. I don't think it's that. I think it's endlessly entertaining and fun. Um, it's charming despite its overwhelming cheesiness. No, yeah, there there are some over-the-top moments. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of, like, and especially now in this, like, uh, in this very jaded era where we basically have realized we were fed a lot of really pro-American propaganda, especially for our generation of how, uh, how 9-11 really dialed up the patriotism to justify some horrible acts. And I don't know about you, when I was in middle school, I was like, yeah! this rules let's go to war um and we basically realized we got played and so that stuff really doesn't sit well with us as a generation which is probably good um it's over the top but it's not stupid yeah it's not bad 
it's a little bit corn cornball, but uh, I don't mind a little cornball. Yeah, me neither, man. All right, any more uh, comments about Goldblum's performance in this one? Yes, he acted really well alongside that Fruitopia machine. They had a really great scene together. <laughs> Fruitopia machine hasn't been in as many movies lately. Did this kill the career? Did it have a conflict with the director? He's trying to ride in the coattails of Jeff. Yeah, that was just never took scene. off. Jeff probably <laughs> nixed that. I can't, I can't work with him anymore. He's a he's a he's a he's a he's a little clingy. Kind of ham, hams it up, you know. <laughs> that Fruitopia machine did dominate the shot. Real real ham. <laughs> no, dude, I just love this movie. I honestly thought that like. Uh, I would go as far as to say the scene where they're cutting into the alien and it attacks Bill Pullman. Yeah. Dude, that like that could have been a Ridley Scott scene. It was really good. It was, that was really cool. It was really, really good. I, I, I would say that's probably, like for me, the coolest scene in the movie. Yeah. Because it's the only time they communicate with the alien and all he says is just die. Yeah. <laughs> it, it oh, what do you want? die oh my god i believe we could coexist together no <laughs> not happening nah. um mm -mm. Mm -mm. waving a single tentacle in a no 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 fashion so good that actually happened <laughs> um <laughs> greg when we end this podcast can we go put on air force suits and just walk away from our computers both smoking cigars while our family and friends welcome us back into the real world Oh, hell yeah. As long as the computers explode in some dramatic fashion. That was a fucking great closing shot on Goldblum and Smith. It was yes. so good. It was so awesome. Oh, what's your favorite line, Greg? Um, I referenced it, but I didn't quote it. It is Will Smith with, Welcome to Earth! <laughs> Rules, man. That's it absolutely it. rules. It's in the running for me. The one-liners were really good in this movie. Um, I'm going to go Jimmy with... Jimmy, no. You're never going to get to fly a space shuttle if you marry a stripper. <laughs> Not only is that a seemingly true statement, but he got to fly a space shuttle and he got to marry a stripper. He proved him wrong. You really can have your cake and eat it, too. Gross, Greg. Gross. <laughs> What's your critic or score, you pervert? Uh, I gave it a 27 out of 40, which is a 6.75 out of 10. Nice. I'm going to throw it a 40 out of 50. Damn, okay. It's an 8 out of 10. Pretty good. Dude, it's a blockbuster. In that genre of a fun summer blockbuster, pretty damn good. That's all I've really got to say. Like, yeah. I'm going to throw it a 40. That's good, man. I'm not judging it like I would judge an Oscar bait drama. I'm judging it like it is meant to be judged, and I'm going to give it a 40. I think they did a really good job of accomplishing what they set out to do. And I think the fact that we can watch it in a very culturally different time and recognize those differences in culture, but not have them ruin the movie for us, because they are prominent, but there is enough meat on the bone there that it still holds up and i think that's something to say it's the second seamless edit <laughs>
What are we here to watch today? We're here to it's watch. It's our third and final movie. Third and final movie. Chosen by the listeners. Chosen Thanks, by listeners. the listeners. We thank them. We love them. We stand them. We're so glad they voted in the poll. But it should have been Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> this is why we got to rig these things a little bit better. Yeah, I was very ineffective in my rigging. Tell us about uh, Jurassic Park, Danny. Um, Jurassic Park is a cautionary tale of man playing God and interfering with nature. Sure, it's cool, but is it a good idea? They found a fossilized mosquito. They cloned its DNA. They made dinosaurs, and they're going to sell them. Sell the right to see them, because that's what you do with science when you're doing a capitalism. And that's about all there is, yeah? That, that, that kind of synopsisize it. Yeah, I think so. If you haven't seen this movie... Um, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Go watch it. Just watch it, man. Go watch it now. It's 28 years old. I'll lend you my You've DVD. You've had chances. It's accessible. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. I was going to say, it was on Netflix. It's not anymore. Those bitches. Thankfully, I had a DVD. Yeah. Uh, I had to rent it on Amazon Prime. Ooh. I'm a strong but, advocate of a physical media library, even in this digital age. I do need a Jurassic Park copy for sure. Mm -hmm. Dude, I wonder, like, who in the um, Amazon video, like, analysis department was just like, we're seeing a weird spike of Dunstan checks in rentals. <laughs> 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 Should we be pushing this? They should sponsor us. Because anyone who rented that movie this week definitely listened to our podcast and got curious, or it was just us two. One of the two. We put Jeff Bezos in space. We did with that. Dunstan checks in. We did that. Dunstan counts Dunstan down checks. to blast off. <laughs> oh. oh, I forgot. What? Independence Day. Did we do Critiker Scores? We did, but I forgot my, my favorite part. What's your favorite part? Is when Jeff Goldblum says, Checkmate. <laughs> and they had that whole chess scene just to set it up. Just to set up him saying checkmate. <laughs> that chess scene reminded and me of a Pixar murders short. It. It's the best delivery of the word checkmate in cinema. Oh. Anyways, Jurassic Park. This movie scared the crap out of me as a kid. As it should. Yeah. Dude, it looks so real. I never, like, appreciated, like, how good the movie was because I was just always so scared. And then I got older and I stopped being a little coward. And I appreciated how great this movie is. It's so fun. Dude, it scared the crap out of me, too. And it still looks really real. And that is because good effects age well. They are timeless. If you do it good with a practical effect and minimal CGI that is competent, well... If it looked good in 1993, it'll look good in 2021, baby. Can't say that about many comedic bits or old tweets. <laughs> That's right. Man. Uh, that was one of my points that I was like kind of saving for this movie when we're talking about Independence Day, is just using CGI as a tool. Yeah. Like, you were saying, really, you should be using practical effects until you absolutely can't. Mm-hmm. And what I think, I think Independence Day did that really well. Yep. Like, we can't, there's no, if we can do this practically, we will. Cheers. Cheers. 
otherwise we're going to use CGI. And then what I think this movie does better is whatever we can't do practically, we're going to do in CGI, but it's not going to be too much of a stretch past what we were trying to do practically. Well, yeah. And they keep the CGI really brief, and then they'll cut it back to practical effects. So it's basically like one quick shot that you couldn't have really gotten with a puppet, mm. and then back to puppets. Yeah. I think my my point is more on like the believability of what they're doing. It's just like the animatronic puppets are walking and stalking in a room and then the moment we use CGI they're just jumping on the table. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's not like a huge divergence of like realism where all of a sudden they're doing something extreme or extraordinary. Mm -hmm. It's just like the simple act that we couldn't get practically. Mm -hmm we're doing it for CGI real quick. Like it's just a really quick thing mm -hmm. and it's not stretching too much beyond believability right. of that. But it would have stretched the believability if they like showed a puppet's head going up and showed its feet lifting off the ground and then it was just on the table. So they needed CGI yeah. to give it that full range of motion. Mm -hmm. It needed to happen. It made it seem more real instead of less real. Can you imagine? That's that's why it's like I'll just go ahead and dive into it. Like the new Jurassic World, I only saw I haven't seen the second one. There's a third one on the way. Seriously? I wasn't even There's sure the if the one. second came out yet. It's like Jurassic World Annihilation or something like that. But yeah, the second Jurassic World has been out for a good little while here. But the first one is the only one I saw. And it's just like comparing this movie to that where it's just like the one T Rex the three raptors mm -hmm. and then in this movie it's like all of the raptors are cgi the whole time mm -hmm. and then there's like a 200 foot long super shark that jumps out of the water to catch a also cgi pterodactyl that has been terrorizing people like it's it's just stuff like, it's just like, look what we can do. Here's just a bunch of stuff. And while those, like, creatures, of course, may have existed in history, like, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do do less. Less is more. Less is more. I didn't hate Jurassic World for what it was. I thought it had absolutely none of the heart and soul that Jurassic Park had. I thought it was fun enough for what it was. Really nothing that made me want to go back and watch the next two. But man, it Still it, it missed the mark. It missed the mark, and it did not have this immersion that this movie had, and it also completely lacked the suspense and thriller tone that Jurassic Park had. Because man, it was a full thriller at a few points, and it is For top real. notch. Top notch. It's like such few comedic breaks, mm -hmm. but then you had a uh, Jake Johnson in Jurassic World. It's like cracking jokes constantly to like break the tension to make it like a Marvel feel. Oh, dude, I hated Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard's characters in that movie. I could not stand the quips and just the simple like her constantly being like, I like structure. And he's like, I like chilling and drinking a Coke with the label facing out. 
I just I could not <laughs> stand them. It was awful, awful character writing. Garbage, garbage characters. Uh, I'm going to prove your point by saying I don't even remember that about their characters. <laughs> I don't remember anything about their characters. Um, there's not a lot to remember. One likes structure, one doesn't. One's a little bit country. One's a little bit rock yeah, and roll. A little rock and roll. One's cosplaying as a used tampon. One is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy guy. The used tampon Very bit cool. is from uh, Honest Trailers. Not my joke. <laughs> Way to give credit, man. Uh, this is this movie's paced so much differently than Independence Day. Yeah, it's like twenty minutes shorter, and I feel like it's something I want to get into about like other movies in general, but like. I forget a lot of the opening scenes mm -hmm. when I rewatch this movie because this movie is all about get the get the necessities out of the way and then let's get to the island, let's get to the dinosaurs, let's get to the thrills. Mm -hmm. um, so those first scenes are sort of forgotten and I don't feel like that's a negative in any way. Mm-hmm because I think if they had used that same time to explore where Ian Malcolm came from like let's introduce him over here in this scene let's see where he's working and then pull him into the movie let's see these grandkids let's see where they're going to school they're actually going to go see their grandpa let's pull them into this part of the movie they only focus on the main characters and how they get there and then everyone else just also comes in Yeah. and we're just quickly being like ushered into the meat of the movie and it's just all right guys let's just get to the cool dinosaur shit and that's fine mm -hmm. this is it's like it's also a good way to make a movie it doesn't have to be like a slow burn sure it's like it's breakneck pacing without feeling rushed yeah and that that's such an impossible thing to do and you don't do it without just like introducing your characters like the way you have to do it is like ian malcolm is just on the helicopter with them Jeff Goldblum just we don't have to find out his whole backstory and where he came from he just needs to be introduced and then show characteristics and establish a character really quickly upon introduction sure it doesn't have to go back that far no it's great we don't need to know his life story he's an, honestly this is what's crazy about his character in this movie he's really not a very important character like he's really kind of useless he's there to wax philosophical be right and hot and hot but i you know i always expect him to do something after he survives the t-rex attack and he just doesn't like he he could have died and the movie would be exactly the same there's literally no reason for him to live through it he plays no utility in the rest of the movie he just happened to live so we could have that hot tourniquet shot of him and he also oh, yeah. he completely fucked everything up because Alan Grant throws the throws the road flare and the T-Rex is taking the bait and he's leaving yep. and then yep. Ian Malcolm <laughs> randomly jumps out of the car running the opposite direction of the T-Rex going save the kids save the kids luring the T-Rex to himself when the plan why did he do that why did he make that choice the plan was working what's his deal I'll be the double hero yeah. like it really he seemed got... like you wanted a hero moment it couldn't handle that grant was actually solving the problem and making the threat go away 
He got the insurance guy killed is what he did there. <laughs> and made himself a liability. Um, I thought that insurance guy dying on the toilet was actually a really good way to show how threatening the T-Rex is while still not killing any of our main characters. Because there needed to be some mm -hmm. more tension later. So they actually gave us kind of a comical death of a guy we hate. But we still saw that like people can die. But we still right. needed the T-Rex to go terrorize Grant and the kids a little more. I thought that was smart. Smart writing. Yeah. That's why Goldblum did that. <laughs> so we could have some smart writing. Yeah. <laughs> then we they should... Well, then what wasn't smart writing is they should have had Grant not throw the flare that was working. Goldblum should have, like, made a self-sacrifice because we didn't know what to do. Because <laughs> it seems like he doesn't know that it's working. Maybe he couldn't see because of the rain that the T-Rex was going away. <laughs> like a dog chasing a fake treat that you pretended to throw. <laughs> Oldest trick in the book and the T-Rex is falling for it and then Grant fucks it up forever. And then Grant squeaks the squeaky toy. <laughs> or sorry, not Grant, Malcolm. Malcolm, oh, Malcolm yeah, 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 yeah. He actually is truly a, a, a mostly pointless character. He's there to, he's there, like I said, wax philosophical and be right that's it. it that's uh, all he does he, he's he's there to deliver gold bloom lines in a perfect gold bloom way yeah they god it's so good they seem to write him with memes in mind about 15 years before memes existed and boy did it pay off oh man it was Paying a slow dividends. burn <laughs> slow burn payoff <laughs> oh man this I, I put down that out of the three movies this was my favorite gold bloom performance like I said, that The Fly, I think, was his best performance out of these three. But this one's my favorite because it just gets all of the... It's like the culmination of all of his performances into like one character. It's all-encompassing. It's it's like we you know, we praise Nick Cage on here, mm -hmm. rightfully so. He caged a lot. Like, they needed to have a cage off. Oh, for sure. Like when you see like a prototypical cage movie and like nick cage just doing nick cage stuff it's explosive it's loud it's wild it's a little weird it's perfect but like the prototypical goldblum performance is like much more subdued he's saying some weirder stuff he's talking to himself he's doing all the uhs and the ums and it's great like what a great actor dude <laughs> no he, he's fantastic and i would even say like as much as i love the fly and i like it more than jurassic park if you asked me to name one jeff goldblum performance i guarantee the first character that would come to my mind is dr ian malcolm it's his most for iconic sure. no no doubt about it most iconic for a reason <laughs> oh man Speaking of characters who are, or performers who are not usually subdued, has Samuel L. Jackson ever been as understated as he is in this movie? <laughs> I always forget I he's know, in man. it and am surprised every time I watch it because he is so unlike his typical Samuel L. Jackson shtick. And it was smart because he's, he's a computer guy. He's not a bad motherfucker in this movie. He's a computer guy. So good on Sam Jackson for knowing what role he was supposed to play and not, you know, just stomping all over everybody else's characters with Sam Jackson stuff that really doesn't need to be in this movie. It's always it's, weird. It's always weird it's, for me to see him do it. 
it's weird to see him and i'm just more confused like how and why did they pick him for this role like it's just so weird that they picked him it worked great yeah. but when was that decision made <laughs> like when they saw him in jackie brown they're like we can get this guy to be kind of the uh, computer nerd mm -hmm. in our dinosaur movie right like, like what was oh, that is we we tap samuel l jackson like oh he's gonna run around shooting dinosaurs no yeah i i <laughs> he's never going to come in contact with the dinosaur <laughs> on screen man it's i've seen this movie multiple times he's gonna type and smoke <laughs> type smoke and say hold on to your butts three times i love it <laughs> he doesn't even say ass he says hold on to your butts i've watched this movie so many times and i always forget samuel l jackson is in it because it just seems so unlike him that I think my brain deletes it and doesn't file it away as Samuel L. Jackson information just because it's so unlike his typical <laughs> stuff. Oh, man. What a movie. When I was a kid, when the lawyer in the T-Rex scene, to go back to that, yeah, I thought he ran to the bathroom because he actually really had to shit. And then they show him he's got his shorts on still. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was like, oh no, gotta poop, gotta risk it. The T-Rex might well, eat me, but I gotta take this risk. Well, it's because Goldblum says, when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Just quipping. <laughs> quipping until the bitter end before I was immensely tired of quipping. Um, just quip and quip and quip. Like, it's even like he got bit by a T-Rex and he's like, remind me to thank grant for the stay or whoever it is who's the guy that runs the place like he's like remind me to thank him for the getaway weekend or something like that like hammond yeah got, yeah hammond yeah yeah got bit by a t-rex and just quip 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 quiparoo that's all he does <laughs> I just can't stop before it got tired oh yeah then he went to sleep no before the quipping got oh tired yeah in movies in general yeah. but yeah and then he went to sleep yeah i loved the um literal night and day tone changes because mm -hmm. it's all brightly lit beautifully colored um in the beginning there's just this sense of wonder and our protagonists are kind of like raining on the parade and you're kind of like shut up that's cool just, there's a dinosaur theme park the why are you guys so worried um, yeah. I even wrote one of my notes is we should absolutely clone dinosaurs. Fuck this cautionary tale. Cloning dinosaurs is cool. <laughs> we should do it, <laughs> and just we should just see what happens. Just to just to see, <laughs> we should we should clone a dinosaur, um, <laughs> just to check. And then, literally, as soon as that storm rolls in, and it's completely dark, and the tone is completely sinister and terrifying. And there was a there was a saying when I worked at camp about the lake and the snakes that lived in the lake. It was like in the daytime they're in my lake. In the nighttime I'm in their lake. I don't swim in the lake at night. That's very much what Jurassic Park was like to the extent that I actually wish they kept the whole thing in the night. Like when they were getting in the jeep at the end, that could have been like daybreak. But I really think it would have worked better and had a little bit more attention to it if they just kept it dark throughout the whole alienation of Grant and the two kids in the park. Thoughts? Feelings? I get that. 
but damn that whole t-rex scene Ooh. and then the raptor scene that follows like you need a break you need some daylight and then grant having a little bit of sense of wonder once again yeah i see that i didn't feel like i needed the break like i was like we should keep it going because that's actually the only sequence in the movie that i'm really not wild about i think i i don't think you're gonna have this note um but no definitely not that whole back half of the second act actually brought this down a few points and caused me to lower my critiker score um just because it really it really didn't sit right with me which by the way the t-rex scene is perfect it's just a perfect scene in a movie um mm -hmm. i hear people criticize it and i'm like don't tell me that this is somehow a lesser art because it was fun don't tell me that that's not amazing that they made this t-rex don't tell me that's not just as amazing as like a dramatic performance side note right so i thought that was perfect movie magic movie magic stan winston did the effects for this if you're not following stan winston school on instagram you are missing out they have a lot of bts of jurassic park effects and it's just so cool um i'm saying all that to pad my criticism because i always get self-conscious when i criticize something that is beloved because i think people tend to over respond and treat me like i said i hated the movie which is not what i'm saying mm -hmm. i'm saying the back half of the second act i could have lived without this really hokey story of grant coming to like kids uh one of my earlier notes was this movie did a really good job of making me want to see Sam Neill feed an annoying kid to a velociraptor and feel good about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> dinosaurs are so much cooler than kids. What a horrible arc of learning to love kids more than dinosaurs. Kids are awful. Dinosaurs rule. Um, I, I, I wasn't wild about that. Man, I thought their whole daylight alienation in the park together was really corny i thought it had again a deus ex hakana hakana where they uh they just like randomly throw in like the the brother to the sister is like now she'll never want to try anything new again she just wants to stay inside and play on her computer and she's like i'm a hacker and that comes in important later i was rolling mm -hmm. my eyes at this child hacking something to save everyone um you know, and then I found the scene where Laura Dern is switching back on the power and they happen to be on the electric fence at the right moment to be really, really contrived and really, really coincidental. And I laughed my ass off when that kid got electrocuted and flew backwards. <laughs> I laughed so hard. That was like a scene from Hot Rod. That shit was so <laughs> fucking funny to me, and it wasn't supposed to be, and I could no, not stop laughing. And then they showed, like, when, when Sam Neill was doing mouth-to-mouth -mouth on him, I really couldn't get it out of my head of the kid sitting up and being like, did it look like we were making out? <laughs> it was so reminded me of a hot rod scene. Um, I, I did not love that whole sequence, and it's literally the only thing i don't like about this movie okay well i understand and i also understand that that's the only part you don't like about the movie and i do not judge you for it 
I have one more part I don't like about the movie. Sorry, I just found it in my uh, notes. Okay, fine. Um, oh, hold on. Let me guess. Hmm. Is it when Newman slips in the rain and there's totally a sound effect that it sounds like a cartoon? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Um, this is the first time I noticed it, and I want to go back and double check. But it, <laughs> I, was, I was like, did they add like a little sound effects when he slips in the rain? That would make me like the movie more because Wayne Knight is a treasure and he can do nothing wrong. And I would have loved if they put that in there for some like... Uh, with his like uh, tragic demise <laughs> side note he put that can of shaving cream on his desk like it's not suspicious to have a can of shaving cream on your desk for no reason a clean shaven man <laughs> already <laughs> um, no do you, have, do you have any other guesses of the one other thing I didn't like I do not a child overpowered a raptor with a door and then, like, literally immediately after, Dr. Grant really struggled with it and couldn't do it for a while. Come on. Yeah. Just, like, I would have excused it if it wasn't back-to-back. -back. That's all. Like, I really don't pay that much attention to stuff like that. But it was back-to-back -back that this child shut a door on a Velociraptor's face. And then Sam Neill couldn't do it, like, seconds later. That pissed me off. That was annoying. Okay. I'll allow it. I just monologued. What you got? Damn, man. I don't know. This is the... Uh, <laughs> I was kind of shocked to hear it, but this is the second movie after Independence Day where somebody says, the crazy son of a bitch did it. <laughs> Speaking of tropes, man. When does that happen? I don't even remember it. Uh Oh, God. When did it happen? Oh no, I can't remember. It's pretty early on in the movie. I just can't remember when it was. But I do want to make another little comparison to uh, Every Which Way But Loose. Yeah, oh. Oh, I hate that movie. Remember the uh, straw man college student character? Yeah. We get another one of those in the very beginning of the movie <laughs> with Dr. Grant and that little kid that's like, this is stupid. He's a big old chicken. <laughs> As if any kid's ever been at a fossil dig site and been unimpressed. Like, first of all, yeah, like, what are you doing here yeah. if you don't care? If you really don't give a shit about dinosaurs, like, why are you here? We didn't need to invite you. How did he get there? He's somebody's son. Somebody that should have spoken up after he said that, like, Daniel, shut up! But yeah. Instead of uh, using an old man's dentures and a chowder, he uses a uh, fossilized raptor claw and tells him about how he'll be how he would be gutted. <laughs> that made me happy. Pretty, pretty dope. <laughs> I hated that kid. I was sad when he threw away the raptor claw later too. I was like, "Hey, man, that's still cool." Yeah, I was a little upset by that. Uh. This really indulged my letting all of the animals out of the zoo fantasy that I've had for a long time. It's one of the only movies that really uh, that really goes on to that. Uh, that wavelength of wanting to free all the animals for the sake of chaos. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Man. I've got a new coin to term. I said it on purpose this time. 
Okay, thank goodness. I was about to roast you. Teus Rex Machina. (laughs) (laughs) In wrestling, we call that a baby face turn, ladies and gentlemen. When the T-Rex, who used to be evil, shows up and you think you're in danger, but he saves the good guys for no reason and it rules that was so cool i also wanted to see a dinosaur bone cirque du soleil if it hasn't already been done based on that scene there's just a lot of cool things that could happen there dude that's a great phrase teus rex machina up there with deus ex monkina and yeah deus ex vanessa when we need someone to save the Dunstan checks in segment, send for her. <laughs> That's right. Can I? Uh, can I tell? Yeah, can go I tell ahead. a story of something that was go in the for running it. for my favorite line, but did not win it. Well, uh, go for it. If Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't oh. eat the tourist. That's something that I didn't remember and then yeah. really stood out on this watch. Okay, through. same here. I thought that was great. It was like I'd never heard the line before. And my story to go with it is uh, the first time I went to Disney World, that was an actual fear of mine because I didn't understand what happens on a ride. I was really young and my dad was like, come on, let's go ride Pirates of the Caribbean. And I would not do it. And I stood outside with my grandma the whole time and cried. The pirates are going to kill my dad. and i was like the whole time i was like what is he doing idiot why is he putting himself in danger and he's going in there the pirates are yeah exactly i was 100 percent convinced that like my dad was about to get killed by pirates and for some reason was overconfident and thought he could take them and was like shocked when he came out unscathed i was like how did you do that you fucking legend (laughs) (laughs) i've pretty much covered my bases you got anything else greg um yeah i guess just one thing laura dern man laura dern terrific she doesn't age she ages a little she killed barely she aged between her david lynch phase and this but she's been the same age ever since yeah, it's the Keanu Reeves thing. Yeah, yeah. Where ever since this, and then you see her in Marriage Story, you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> That's the same person. Yeah, I forget because I, I hate her character Holdo so much. In, uh, I hate her character Holdo so much in The Last Jedi. We're not doing that, by the way. Everyone, we're not talking about Last Jedi. It, it's. I already forgot about the movie. It's fine. Anyone who could ever say anything about it has already said it. What are we going to add to that? Um, How about this? We don't do Star Wars movies. Ooh, you want to make it a rule? That's going to be a rule. It's a rule. We don't do Star Wars movies. You heard it here first, people. Um, We're giving you fresh content. But I hate the character in that so much that I forget that I love Laura Dern. I went through a big Mm -hmm. David Lynch phase earlier this year and came to really appreciate her work. And she has a really cool character in this that has a lot of uh, feminist moments. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I uh Vanessa showed me a TikTok that was like uh this woman who was like hello I'm a feminist lesbian working on my film degree and here's 12 times Jurassic Park passes the Bechdel test 
and there's like two <laughs> there's like two times that, it's a funny video there's like two times that it actually does and the rest are like the dinosaur sneezed on the girl as you will remember from the exposition all of the dinosaurs are um are female and a sneeze is technically a form of communication and if you think they have to have names, if you look into the Jurassic Park expanded universe, you will know that this dinosaur was named Sarah. <laughs> it was a really, really funny video. <laughs> so it passes. Only oh, technically. Good. There's a couple little Bechdel moments. But uh, all that goes to say, yeah. it does have Laura Dern saying awesome stuff like, We'll talk about sexism in survival situations later. And then is like, first I'm going to save your ass. Which <laughs> yeah, is just so awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> Dude. I gotta say, man. The child actors in this movie don't suck for how, like, important they are. And how concentrated we are on them. Those actors really don't suck. I mean, they're no Will Smith and Vivica's kid in Independence Day. Yeah, but we're not focused on that kid very much. Yeah, they don't suck. I'll give them that. I really didn't like their arc, so I kind of have a bias against these kids. But uh, they did an awesome job, I guess. Awesome job. They're really good at acting scared. That's why I really empathized with them as a kid. So I'm like, that could be me. Sure. Sure. No, that scene where they're trapped in the Jeep is really good. They did a really good job. Oh, yeah. And they're uh, they're in a... just turn off the flashlight though. Good, God, come on. Yeah, that was stressful. Their innocent adoration of Doctor Alan Grant when he hated them is. Uh, <laughs> if you have attachment issues like I do, that'll uh, always get a little something out of you. <laughs> uh, Denny, you uh, you gave us your second favorite line. What is your actual favorite line in the movie? Uh... Let me get the quote exactly right, because I would never want to barch to botch art. To barch, to barch, ought. to barch ought. Here, here's my favorite That's line. Right. That is one big pile of shit. That's on my list. <laughs> That's pretty great. What's yours? Um, it is a tie between "Hold on to your butts" and. Just for sheer volume, we spared no expense. God. Two catchphrases. You said the two most repeated lines in this movie. Yeah, but they're also my favorite. But I will give it to Hold On To Your Butts, just for the comedy of it being A, Samuel L. Jackson, and B, being delivered with a cigarette butt <laughs> in his mouth. Oh, I never made that connection. That's... There that's we go. Clever boy. <laughs> Yeah, oh that's another that's another line did you ever Ish. did you ever watch doug when you were a kid i watched it as an adult no. oh you didn't watch doug i didn't oh hmm. there's i we didn't have cable so nickelodeon was not not on the tv poor poor child yeah i think that's exactly the word you should use is poor <laughs> um well there's a character on it named mr dink uh, playing on double income no kids who's always buying gadgets and like every other word he says very expensive which really <laughs> really <laughs> reminded me of uh, Hammond's uh, we spent no expense <laughs> constantly he was like a bot programmed to say that every so often oh yeah this might have been a uh, ex machina situation where he was a very highly intelligent uh he was a very highly intelligent android who had some rote speech every so often where he just 
panics and says we spared no expense oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah man what's your critic or score uh, oh i cut i cut you off i'm sorry i feel like I've oh no you're good lot lately i uh you were cutting me off asking you what your critic or score oh, well, was i want to so. give you the opportunity to ask me good job i'm going to give mine first okay, and then i will ask you fine. is that acceptable Thanks. My Critiker score is a 35 out of 40, which is an 8.75 out of 10. Nice. Hey, Denny. Yes, Greg. What's your Critiker score? Mine is... Of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Mine is a... The movie. Mine is a... No, I'm done. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm nervous you're going to jump back in. Um, mine is a 45 out of 50. I moved it down from a 47 because, honestly, I haven't watched this movie that many times. I've probably seen it, like, I, I saw, like, bits and pieces constantly in my childhood, you know, like, uh, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think I've probably sat down as an adult three times and watched it, and it's just one that, like, sticks with me so well, I usually don't feel a hankering for it, just because it's, like, it's impactful, it's great. Um, this time... You know, the the Alan Grant and the kids stuff seemed a little too hokey for me, so I actually dropped the score a little bit. Okay. but That's the point of Critiker, is uh, continuously editing the scores, yep. man. And I didn't drop it that much. Again, for those who uh, don't listen to every single time I explain what my Critiker standards are, um, for me, if you are a 45 to 50, you're an all-timer. Like, that's, that's, that's as good as it can get without the magical... 5.0 happening that's just your the top tier creme de la creme this is an action adventure with elements of a thriller and i just think that's top tier it's really good yeah hell yeah man greg what's the best movie for when you have a case of the gold blooms Ooh, i'm going to jump on your point right now because i think i know what you're going to pick Probably. um i said it already my favorite Goldblum performance out of these three was in Jurassic Park, but the best one is in The Fly. Um, I'm going to go with The Fly mm. on this one. I think you get a lot out of him. You get more of him. You get into him. I agree. You really dive into the gold bloom. Yeah. I don't have anything more to add than that, other than for as much as he's remembered for Jurassic Park and Independence Day, he's a supporting character in those movies. In The Fly, he is the star of the show. And if you've got a case of the gold blooms and there's only one cure, I think you're going to get the most gold bloom bang for your buck in The Fly. I think that's the way to go. I'm with you on that. He's the starring role in a good movie. A very good movie. Yep. So, hell yeah. Yep. He doesn't have a lot of leads. He really doesn't. No, surprisingly. Yep, he's a he's a character actor. What you gonna do? What's your what's is this your favorite thing that he's in? Period. Yeah. Oh, without a is doubt. Is the fly? Without a doubt. Okay. It's it's one of my favorite movies ever made ever, and he is no small part in that. It's definitely my favorite Cold Bloom performance. Favorite thing that he's in. No question about it. Awesome. Yup. 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 My favorite performance from Goldblum is in uh, Portlandia, where he he sells um, 
art pieces that are just tangled iPhone earbuds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's great. That's my favorite one. But the fly absolutely kicks ass. He also does a really good bit on Tim and Eric where he's introduced as Chef Goldblum. Yeah. And they spell it out C H E F. It's really, really great. <laughs> he's he's amazing. Yeah, man. He's a treasure, man. He's 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 an absolute wondrous guy, and I love that he's had a recent resurgence into mainstream media because he rules. He just rocks. He's a great dude. I'm glad I'm glad he's still out there kicking and making good stuff for us to watch and enjoy. And he's a silver fox now. Like he oh, yeah. talk about a glow up. Talk about somebody who aged well. Jeff Goldblum, man. Looking good. Yeah. Feast your eyes, George Clooney. <laughs> he Clooney'd hard, man. Clooney's kind of the OG silver fox, and I think uh man, Goldblum, when he popped what? up in the credits of Guardians Two, I was kinda like, Oh. Oh, I'm listening. All right, Denny. Um, we're done here, man. We're done here. What's our What's next week's episode? Next week is movies for when you said you would watch the entire Matrix franchise for charity. That's right. Uh, Denny had a birthday charity um, thing fundraiser on Facebook. Um, Tell them about how you got to the Matrix trilogy or franchise. Well, basically, I was looking for Herculean efforts of movies to watch in one day. I really like to do a good franchise binge. Um, My first milestone, uh, the fundraiser was for Denton County Friends of the Family, which is a really cool organization that uh, provides shelter for people who have recently experienced domestic abuse or in need of shelter. And they also provide mental health services. I know a lot of people who work there. Um, I've wanted to work there in the past, and it's just, it's always been wrong time when they had a job opening, or wrong time when I was looking for a job, but they're a cool organization. Uh, The first was, we would do all the Raimi Spider-Mans in one day, and I did that before we had a podcast. The second milestone was the entire Matrix uh, franchise in one day, which people who donated pointed out means we have to also do the Animatrix, so we're going to watch four movies for next week. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to have to skip through some notes so it's going to be either a long episode or a really short episode we'll see and uh you know the next two are that i would start a youtube channel based on analyzing movies through the lens of mental health which i am still working on and i am honestly really just the equipment away from doing i've got i've got i've got some ideas kind of waiting on the the wife to finish grad school because uh we both want to be involved in it and we'll see how that goes greg i'm sure you'll get roped into it too um please rope me i'm gonna rope you right in and the final is that i would watch cats which i thought was an impossible goal and uh, unfortunately we made that goal it was a to me it was a a carrot to dangle that i did not think i would have to actually do so that'll probably happen on this podcast eventually um i've kind of seen it as maybe a first live stream maybe a first i don't know some sort of event i think we should do something cool around cats a very special episode of movies for when but Real excited to knock this out this week because, uh, man, I really want to technically comply with this before The Matrix 4 comes out, so I don't have to plan a marathon of long movies culminating in the showtime of another long movie. I want to have the I want to I want to <laughs> do this before the fourth one comes out. Um, so at the time Good of call. this podcast, 
We will have watched the entire Matrix franchise. And if that's not satisfying enough for you, I will personally invite you to go see The Matrix 4 with me when it comes out. How about that? 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 Man, uh, when you met your donation goal, I think the first I, the first thing I messaged you was just like, and this maybe came from a place of morbid curiosity. Let me watch cats with you. <laughs> so you better believe I'm going to be part of your cats watching experience. Beautiful. Uh, t- we'll suffer through it together, man. Yeah, I know that that fundraiser was in January. I kind of didn't commit to it, but I was like, well, I have a year to do these things. We're just now getting to item number two, and it's uh, back half of July. Uh, But I haven't forgotten, if you donated, you did not donate in vain. And we are going to do The Matrix. Greg, we're watching them all on uh, Sunday. Does that work for you? Uh, That should work fine, yeah. Because I've got to do a thing on Saturday. I've got to go see Lucha Teotel. I got something at 9.30. Yeah, I already moved it twice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, episode done, man. Uh, please find us on Facebook if you search for Movies for When you will find our page Uh, it is continuing to grow and we love to see it thank you so much for listening follow the Twitter account at Movies for When my criticer is T3H Johnson that is also my personal Twitter handle Denny Uh, what's your criticer in Twitter my criticer and letterboxed are the moose man one word my Twitter is at one O-N-E dark stallion if I don't know you, I won't let you follow me, and it's a really useless follow because I pretty much just retweet movies for when. So just follow movies for when and skip some steps. Um, I had something else to say. Oh yeah, if you know the band manager for Alien Ant Farm, ask them why he oh hasn't gotten back to me about if we can close out our show with their track "Movies" because um, it's a perfect show closer, and uh, he he seems to be big leaguing me. Because I emailed him and asked if we oh could. God, he seems to really big be big leaguing me. So, yep, that's what's that's happening. That's what's happening right now. I'm sure he checks his email and. Uh... I'm sure he's still alive too. <laughs> All right, is it catchphrase time? <laughs> catchphrase time for Hit him, for Denny. Greg work the leg work Johnson. I'm Denny the talent Taylor, and this has been movies for when. We just told you when. I want you to be free. Don't worry. Is that also copyrighted? About me, probably. No, no, no. And no. just like.